0: Okay, we're on the top of Daphne and Bais. we're continuing the uh, new paragraph that ended at the um, end of Daphne and Aleph on the Bees. And it's not to talk about the difference between Tikkun and Toyu. That Toyu is chaotic and Tikkun is like points, like mathematical points that are then expanded upon in length and in breadth. But they were initially just that one initial point. Um, and that's like the concept of Chesed, the concept of Vooda. Then in Tikkun, as opposed to in Toyu, they start to manifest themselves into the ten Spheres. But in, the, in, to, in Toyu, they don't have any capacity to become intertwined. But in the level of Tikkun, that's where the Spheres start to take on shape and form and cooperation. And they can build what's called a Pirtsuf, which is a full-on shape. This means that the different spheres are divisible into their individual details, each one having a beginning and an end, a top and a bottom, through which you can build an entire framework, like the entire fa- framework of, um, of the body. And here also, the spheres still can have a cooperation with each other, as in the, the marshal for this is understood from the powers within the body itself. on the one hand, you have 248 individual limbs and 248 individual powers that match up with those limbs. So the power to see is invested in the eye. The power of listening is invested in the ears, behavior in the hands, walking, mobility in the feet. And this is the idea that each one of them takes on, that as each of the limbs takes on the character of its capacity. And then you have an all-inclusive Living capacity, where there is no distinction between them, and it encompasses the person from top to bottom, and that's why we can describe that when a person's finger hurts, immediately he senses it even in the brain, and when a person has the impulse to move forward, he immediately starts to react, and that's because of the link from all of the different uh, body parts, and they're intertwined within each other. Now, this idea that the uh, power for all of these different human skills becomes invested within all of the different character uh, aspects of the person's physical body is what is called the that is these combinations in these full-on body structures <coughs> that are, rep- are represented in the connection between the brain and the rest of the of the character now based on the concept of tikkun, that is orderliness, we can divide them into specific details, into these different Pirtsufim, the way they are individual. And therefore you have a certain certain character that has a a virtue, has a superiority in the world of tikkun that you don't have, even in the world of toyu, even though in toyu, you have vastly more uh, divine light but not in Tikkun. But in Tikkun, even though the quantity is diminished, the character of it is itself a virtue, as we will explain. Like it says in Sephi that the beginning is wedged in the end. That is, when a person has a plan, how do you know what the ultimate purpose of the plan is? It's what he does at the end, not what he does initially. But there's a certain virtue in the manifestation that you won't find in the origin. This is not found in Toya, only in Tikkun. Because in Tikkun, again, because of this ability of cooperation of these Pertzufim, you can see system and process. For example, the different powers of the the intellect that are invested in the brain, which is in the head, which is the supreme aspect of the human being. And then they're into the hands where he can write, and he can uh, create art and do other skilled crafts and so forth which may on the surface seem to be a lesser capacity than the infinite ability for a person to think and imagine. And then it manifests itself all the way down into mobility in the feet, which is the least evidently. And then when we start to compare these different koichas, the capacity for writing with capacity for mobility, in contrast to the capacity for the intellect, they seem to be of a far lesser quantity, quality. However, once they are invested into the humanity, now it allows for the full-on functioning of the person. This is that ability that he can uh, manifest from the intellect into the behavior so that he can walk around and so forth. So when they go from the intellect into the the power of mobility, then there is a certain superiority in the feet that isn't even in the head. Because the legs can stand the person upright and can transport it from place to place, which the head couldn't do on its own. So, again, based on this rule that the end, the last thing or the least evident is wedged in the beginning. It's absolutely unified. And it, it is the completion of the beginning. This is only when the power of intellect is manifest in, the, in, the, um, in, in mobility. It's like a great idea. The great idea is only great if it works. But if it doesn't work and it's just a theory, it's not that great. This now starts the next paragraph in the bottom right-hand side of uh, the page. The Moshofer, the difference between the circles, which have no beginning and no end, no sense of structure, which represent uh, Tikkun. That in Tikkun, in uh, there can be uh, a hierarchy but there's no cooperation. It's all sort of chaotic. You don't have this beginning and end that are tied together in this process, but it's specifically in Tikkun, although it, because specifically it invests itself in the variety of uh, character and garments and so forth, that you have this top to bottom, and there is a systematic cooperation that you have a virtue. This is true also with mitzvahs, that in physical mitzvah performance, it is itself greater than Torah, even though Torah, in its essence, I'm sorry, Torah is the essence and mitzvahs are the expression. They quote only the chitzlenis, they're only the deed. However, we know that there is a rule that we interrupt our Torah study to do mitzvahs in order to celebrate with a bride. uh, We will interrupt the recitation of the Shema. Even though Shema is declaring the unification of Hashem, it is the manifestation and the behavior that illustrates, again, this seamless systematic process, and that's why it will even override a prohibition like the halakha that we do a bris milah on the baby, even if the area of the bris has tsaras, and it's prohibited for a, a person to cut off skin that has tsaras, but because it's for the mitzvah, a bris milah, so the obligation overrides the prohibition or the permission to wear shatness when wearing tzitzis and so forth, Why? because even though there is the, the action comes, quote, only from the second tier of netzach and Yisoyed, it is only from the sort of feet, but it has this virtue, even in contrast to the loftiest ideas of Chachmah. And that's why even when an ordinary person is doing a mitzvah, he doesn't have the great kavonness, and he doesn't understand anything more than the fact that this is what Hashem has done, this is, con- is considered far greater and far more precious to Hashem than all of the uh, in-depth, abstract kavanas that are understood by Etzai. Because there is the specific virtue of the support of taira more than even the eyes of the congregation. Again, like we talked about, how the legs support the head. And this is only to be found in the world of Tikkun. That's where you have this beginning and, and end. You see the whole process, uh, complete its circuit, because in Tikkun, you have order, Caleb, and because of the Caleb, you're able to have this characteristic, whereas in Toyu, when chaotic, overwhelming godliness, you have a lot of light, you have a lot of energy, but it's not organized. The next paragraph continues, and it says, we already explained, again, back going back to Moshe, and this is where the author starts to bring us back to the original question on the Maimon, which was, why did Moshe tell Hashem? that he was of heavy mouth. And Hashem had to respond, who do you think gave a mouth to a person? I mean, this is all Moshe Rabbeinu knows this about. So we we mentioned already that in the Zayr, it tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu was from that pre-creation, that stage called toyu. And he was plucked from there and parachuted into the world of orderliness, the world of actual creation. That is this quality of Chafma of infinity, that our world is not usually accustomed to. Moshe Rabbeidu brings it into this world. Therefore, Moshe saw with a clarity that the world of Tikkun, so to speak, doesn't know how to deal with. This beginning and and, end wedged together, it's a little overwhelming. And therefore, for Moshe to come into the world of Tikkun, he was saying, don't send me, send somebody else. I am from a whole different world, sort of a more abstract quality. That is... Moshe saw a greater quality in Tikkun, the capacity for this orderliness and organization of the sphere that he, he was, quote, unfamiliar with because he came from that world of time. where uh, <clears throat> And that's why he said, my mouth is heavy and my tongue is heavy, meaning that since he comes from a place of such great light, so it's like a person who gets so excited with an emotional experience, he can't organize his thoughts or organize his words. And therefore, his mouth was heavy. He was not able to compress his brilliance, his godliness, this light, into the Kaylee, the tool of his mouth. And he considered this to be a great detriment. And he said that tikkun has a greater capacity than I can affect because it has this orderliness. And therefore, he suggested to Hashem, send someone else, send somebody who is of the world of tikkun. I am innately not of this world. I am of the world of tell And therefore, I can't, as we would say in our modern parlance, relate. I can't compress my infinity into my ordinariness. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu was considered so humble, because he was humbled by the characteristic of tikkun, where there's less light, but more orderliness, more organization of it. And this is, in fact, a great great virtue. So now we understand what Moshe was, quote, informing Hashem. Moshe was saying, I come from a world of, tell you, I cannot compress my uh, chaotic godliness into the orderliness of tikkun. Therefore, send somebody whose neshama is a more of a tikkun neshama. I am not at that high a level where there can be this orderliness. So Hashem, in the last paragraph on this page, responds, and he says, who created a mouth? Who placed a mouth to man? I am God. Meaning, it's true that you are, so to speak, have this overwhelming godliness that can't be compressed into the kalim. Because the level of your neshama is sort of, pardon the pun, out of this world. But when Hashem says that He who placed a, a, a mouth to man, he doesn't mean you. He means odom, the concept of man. As the author Rebbe describes it, Adam with a kama, says, the man, which is the quality of Adam of atzilus that level that is includes both um, toyu and tiku. This is the idea that just as the mouth expresses a concept, meaning I have this idea, and it's a broad idea, and now I want to express it. So we would call this the aura of makith that I now can compress into my speech. For example, when a person makes a bracho, or he does a mitzvah, that the, the, the breath of his mouth itself becomes a mitzvah, like the alphabet of writes in Tanya, and here, the author river brings a halachic distinction about whether a person would make a bracha if he only blows the shoifra, trua, shvarim, and trua. So there's a machloikis about it because are we bringing down a level of godliness that's so intense? And that's why the sfardim would hold you don't make a bracha, but Ashkenazim hold you do make a bracha. We're not here so much to discuss the halachic side, but the idea being that the godliness is so great We have to debate whether or not it can be brought into this physical world. And this is what Hashem says. Who creates a mouth for man? Not just O man, but for all of man. I myself, and because of that high, lofty level, I am able to bring it down even into this physical world. Therefore, I, Hashem, who created the keilin, the orderliness of the world as it is, and created the idea of toyu, I, again, Hashem emphasizing on his very being, I can transform it, and you, Moshe, think that they are naturally incompatible, and I, Hashem, through the employment of the infinity of Hashem, can bring the two together, the oirois, the intensity of toyu, that pre-creation world, into the orderliness of the Kalim of Tikkun, which is what the Rebbe quotes in the Sikha of Chafches Nisan, in Tavshin Nun Aleph. That is, I can have the two together. The virtue of Tikkun, that it's orderly, and the virtue of Toyu, that we have this intense godliness. And that brings them all together. This is what Hashem is saying. that Even though it will come from the source of Toyu, it will be embedded within the Kalim of Tikkun and particularly into the power of verbalization, which brings these oiris of maketh into the ordinary. And you'll have both characteristics, just like the beginning wedged in the end is both the beginning and the end, both qualities. You can have both qualities of toyu and tikkun. They can come together, and that is the ultimate objective. As we spoke about earlier, the author the Rebbe makes reference to other maimaring, where David HaMalik also speaks about this idea that, There is an Adam HaRish on the quality of Chachma, and also manifest in the physical world. Again, the same idea where Hashem says, who places a mouth within a person? And this is comparable to the mitzvahs that are mid because the 248 obligation, the dues, uh, represent the 248 limbs. That is, we draw down godliness into the Kali. I put on tefillin, I bring godliness into my left arm. The 365 prohibitions represent the 365 sinews. That is, a light that can't be captured in the physical world. And therefore, there is no action in the prohibitions. They're all about inaction, because it's like the idea of these ores, through resisting that temptation, I bring down a light of godliness that can't be defined. Meaning, when I do a mitzvah action, I define it. I eat matzah, I put up a mezuzah, I put on tefillin. When I abstain from a prohibition, I can't capture that in something particular. <coughs> Rather, it is sort of an infinity of level of Hashem. But we can manifest through the uh, the instructions that Hashem says, "I will be your mouth." That is, I will bring the level of toyu into the orderliness of the new creation. That is the creation of tikkun. This completes that mimer. We now start the next mimer. Again, we're on Nunbe's base. Bay's. The mimer begins with a quote from the Pusuk that says, This is my name, Zeshmi, forever. Zer, zikri, l'edor, dor. This is my recollection, how I will be remembered for all times. And then Tkuni, Zayar, it says that the word shmi, my name, if you add yud and hey, yud k, the first two letters of Hashem's name, you get 365. If you have Zichri, what I uh, how I am recalled with Vav Hey, the last two letters of Hashem's name, you get two forty eight. So this is because the source of the prohib- prohibitive mitzvahs, the Thou shalt nots, is three hundred sixty five. It's Shmi plus Yud Hey, that is higher than that is rooted in a level that is higher than the obligations, because. The loisa says that thou shalt not are drawn down from yudke of Havai. And the mitzvahs, I say, the dues, the obligations are drawn down from the vavhe of of Havai. Also because the Torah, shabbat Peh, was not written down. Similar idea. The less capturable it is, the greater its suggestion that its godliness is more intense. So action mitzvahs are capturable in the behavior. Inactionable mitzvahs, prohibitions are not capturable. The point being that it talks about what is written down, as is explained, uh, that he himself writes it down, that idea called, where is God's glory, like it says in Seyed Yetzirah, that three things, through three ways that Hashem create the world, with an author, a book, and a story, and is called the book, and the level of the author is higher than the level of the book. And that's this level called ayeh. Where, like we're looking for it, we can't find it. Which is aleph and then yud hey. Ayeh. Where is it? It's it's not identifiable because the source and the root of yud k of of avaya is drawn down from aleph, which is sort of a a, a pre level to that. The aleph of echad of Kriyashma, which is this level called the mazel. From whence we de- we derive even chokhmah. And in this level of aleph, you have the three letters of shem havayim: the yud above, the yud below, and the vav that connects them. That that shape of the aleph in Torah is yud vav and yud, as we said in the filling We spelled out yud vav Dalin, yud, that we 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 make those shapes on our uh, 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 indicated in the tefillin, because Torah is an investiture of this level called Abba, which is father, but in our context, Chachmah, that contribution of the undefinable, in Atzilas, because teira comes from that, again, all collective idea of Chochmah, what we might call a conceptual idea, as opposed to the particulars. And from that level where it becomes connected to wafs, so that it is written down here in an Aleph, but it still retains the Yud. And again, you just imagine the shape of an Aleph, that it has that Yud, that alludes to that level of Chachma, which is the Yud of Hashem's name. So even though the Aleph is a more developed letter, it still retains that more sort of infinite characteristic of the Yud. And in the Tefillin, the the bottom uh, point of the Aleph is written more like a dalit. If you use your imagination and you see a Safris style of an Aleph, that um, Yud on the bottom of it is sort of an inverted dalit which, again, represents an idea of bringing down this lofty level, a level called Leah, like our mother Leah, which is comparable to the Dalit, which, again, has length and breadth. And that's why it says, "Ayeh, where is Sefer the author? That is, the source of Torah Shevich the written Torah, is called Sefer, the Sefer Elah, the book. Like we said in the Zohar, there is a Sefer and there's another Sefer. And this level of ayeh, where is it? Like, I can't identify it. I don't know specifically what it is, is the combination of aleph, which is this sort of loftier pre-level, with the k, which is starting to have a developed level to it, that the aleph is the source for it. Like we said, the author who writes the book, like the source of the tereshavik that is brought down here. Next paragraph. Now, in general, tereshavik speaks about the mitzvahs, what to do that are drawn down from the Vavhe level, a little bit more tangible, a little more pragmatic, which is often compared to the za, which are the six internal Midas of Atsilas, and the way they are divided up into the Kalim, the 248 limbs, from whence they are drawn down to the 248 action items, the 248 mitzvahs. And therefore, when we do a mitzvah, an action mitzvah, we draw down this level of light. And that's why Torah was written down, to put it into something available and accessible. And that's why the wisdom of Torah is also written down with letters and the crowns on the letters. But the source of the prohibitions, the thou shalt not, the inaction items, even though they also are mentioned in Toshim but they are innately loftier than the mitzvahs aseh. They, that is, the prohibitions, come from the yudkei level. Uh, it, it is in non capturable by behaviors. They can't be captured like filling an S rig and so on, which is very particular. The essays are not uh, subject to or vulnerable to or capturable by those behaviors only by the inaction. You cannot uh, 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 get it. You can only imagine it through the prohibitions of feeding fats or anything that is oppositional to godliness. And through the denial of that which is oppositional to Hashem, um, you'll have this revelation of godliness. But you can't draw it down through an action like Tefillin and Tzitzit and so forth, like those which are drawn down via the behaviors. Because the mila of the lights that are drawn down through the prohibitions are far greater than that which is drawn down through the actions. And they're, the, it's so great, it can't be captured in a behavior. And that's why the lav comes first. That is, we have to first remove the negative. And that's why, for example, it says you're brought into a land that was not planted, that is, the says a form of avoiding any disruption, and only then does it become eligible to be elevated. Next paragraph on the left-hand column. <clears throat> now, everything of the Rabbanon is kind of like a loisa, because the objective of the rabbinic mitzvahs was to create a fence to make sure that we not violate anything. And that's why we say that they are also this level of. Ah, Where is it? And again, as we describe, this is like the author. We're looking for him. We don't see him because it's not capturable. Like the loisa says that come from that loftier level and therefore cannot be um, identified or manifest. And therefore, or similarly, we would say that all of the rabbinic prohibitions and so forth come from this level, beyond an action item. Beyond that which comes, like the uh, the obligatory mitzvahs from the vav hay which are lights invested in specific caleb whereas the rabbinic concepts cannot be captured in something that is written down. That's why it is called ter shabal peh. So the more tangible it is, like the mitzvahs asay, the obligatory mitzvahs, that's an indication that it's God. This is a little less. The less tangible it is, like the mitzvahs lois say, the Thou shalt nots that suggests that its godliness is greater, more profound, and therefore not capturable by behaviors. In a similar fashion, the Torah, Shabal the oral law, which can't be captured in words, is an indicator that, like the prohibitions, which can't be captured in behaviors, come from this loftier level of godliness, known as the level of Yudke. Now, in Torah, the written Torah itself, we also find ideas that are not recorded. Because of their lofty mind, like sometimes it says that Hashem told Moshe to tell something and something. And sometimes it's explained and it's detailed out what the mitzvah is. And sometimes it only tells us in a very general sense and we don't get all the details. Like most of the book of Devarin that Moshe said, many mitzvahs, but he doesn't say exactly what they are. And many, many such examples. So the question becomes, why isn't it written out? And the reason being that since Moshe Rabbeinu is this level where he is trying to connect chachm. This abstract, essential godliness to the to this physical world, and therefore he gave us the Torah from this level, and that's why it says that Hashem spoke or directed Moshe, which suggests that Hashem became so connected with Moshe that he was able to then relay it to the people. And this idea that Moshe spoke to the people is to draw down from this lofty concept, this abstract, essential godly idea, and make it evident and uh, uh, relatable to the Jewish people. And that's why there are sometimes such ideas that can't be captured in words. I mean, we all know this in our own experience. So I can give a very specific instruction to a craftsman. Well, when I want to describe something very lofty, like the love I have for my child, I can't communicate it only through words. And this same idea, this that that Moshe Rabbeinu draws down, sometimes it's such a... um, uh, uh, Lofty concept that it can't be captured in words. For example, when Moshe forewarns Paro about the coming uh, uh, plague of locusts, he says, "If you will resist, I'm going to bring locusts." And he doesn't say that Hashem gave him this instruction to forewarn Paro. Why? Because the concept of this particular plague of the locust came from such a, a lofty level. Um, why it is, and so on, and then the author points out that there seems to be a contradiction to this, because later Hashem does tell him to extend his arm, that there needs to be a forewarning. But the concept is that there are ideas that are so lofty that they can't be captured by mere words. They even can't be captured by Moshe Rabbeinu. They can't even be captured by Moshe Rabbeinu in in his instruction to the Jewish people. Why? Because it is a concept of such intensity that it can't be recorded. So in, in theory, so to speak, or in concept, what the Alter Rebbe is pointing out is that the loy says the prohibitions are uh, in action because action can't capture their godliness, and the same is true with oral Torah. Its godliness is so intense it can't be captured by the written word, and this explains the idea of the difference between the prohibitions, which we describe as coming from a loftier level, the UK level, the first two letters. Of Hashem's name, in contrast to the say the obligations which come from the second uh, two two-letter, or the last two letters, uh, the vav k, which are quote a low of a lower level, and therefore they are subject to being captured by uh, behavior.